listening to Shut the Book Up podcast, where we delve into the nitty gritty of the book world. I'm your host, Kat. Make sure to grab your coffee, or in my case, hot chocolate, and let's delve into the episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Shut the Book Up. I'm Kat, your host. This last week, has been honestly one of the best weeks I've ever had. I think ever since this quarantine started, I've just been really down in the dumps. Everything that I do, I'm not motivated. Work just feels like it's too much. I feel like I'm not getting enough time to myself. And so this last week honestly has been one of the better weeks. I do suffer obviously from just seasonal depression. I don't do well with cold and wet and rain and gloominess. And so this last week, it's been really sunny and I've been enjoying that. And I've been outside hiking and biking and mountain biking and running and kayaking as much as I can, just enjoying the weather because of the fact that we're supposed to like get rain now uh, for a week and we're supposed to get storms. So I'm just enjoying that weather. And not only that, I'm just taking the time to be and do things that I love. I've actually been doing a lot of pen palling. So pretty much I When I lived in Europe, I met a bunch of friends and we decided that we would keep in touch, but through letters. And so I've been writing letters to a bunch of my friends and sending them out different parts of the world. And honestly, that has been really motivating, kind of keeping me very positive at this moment in time. And not only that, um, our governor had announced that our quarantine would be ending this coming Monday. And so by the time this episode gets up, our quarantine has technically ended although nothing is still allowed to be opened up, which is really interesting because I don't understand what's the point of ending a quarantine or the stay-at-home order if nothing is allowed to open up. And I still understand it, but it's just like, then why end the stay-at-home order? It's really interesting to me. Um, Apparently, they're going to start allowing things to open up in June or July, but still then we really can are kind of limited still to what we can do However, I'm still okay with that because I'm still enjoying just being at home and being able to take care of me rather than feeling like I have to go out and do things when everything is opened up again. So this last week, I've honestly actually read quite a bit. I didn't read as many books as I was hoping to this last week, but I did finish Gemina, the second book to the Illumini Files by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. Honestly, out of all of the books they have written, Gemino was one of my absolute favorite books. I absolutely love the characters. I love the plot line. I loved the continuation and of the first book, Illumini, which is the Illumini Files is the entire book. And this is the book where pretty much everything is put together like it's an FBI file type of thing with surveillance cameras and file footage and Wikipedia type website. It's really cool. And if you haven't read the series, I definitely definitely recommend it. And I feel so silly because I thought the book would follow the first two characters of the first book. And I read Illumini, the first book, about a year ago. And so I thought that the characters were the exact same. It wasn't until about three-fourths of the way through the book that I realized the characters were completely different. In the first book, you had Katie and Ezra, and then Gemini followed Hannah and Nick. And honestly, if I had to pick my favorite couple's characters, I would definitely pick Hannah and Nick. I think they're both amazing, dynamic characters. I love that Nick has this very 
ruggish background and he's still a very ruggish character. He's not considered a sweet bad boy. He's literally a bad boy. And then you have Hannah, who is the daughter of the captain on the Heimdall, and she's very rich and classy and likes expensive things. And But yet she still is very much so a military daughter. She's very statistic-driven. She's very uh, goal-driven, and she's very technical with how she does things. And so I thought that that was just an amazing thing. And then, so after I finished that, I decided to move on to the third book, which is Obsidio. That is the third and last book in the Illumini Files. And I'm about three-fourths of the way through, and I am really enjoying the book. However, we're pretty much now given all the characters at once. We're given Hannah and Nick and Katie and Ezra kind of all together, along with some new characters that I'm not sure if I'm 100% liking. It's I, I don't remember the male character, but it's Ash, Asha, Ash, I'm just going to call her. Um, It kind of follows her and how she's doing with things in this whole biotech war. And so I don't know if I'm 100% loving this final book. I definitely love it, but I'm not knowing if I love it as much as I did the first and second book. I think there's just too much now going on, but we'll see it because I'm not completely done yet, but I'm almost. And then I am also listening to, it's actually a re-listen for me, but I am re-listening to the audiobook of Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. It is had to have been one of my favorite listens or audiobooks that I've listened to last year. I absolutely love the characters. I love the plot line. I loved pretty much everything about this book. And not only that, the narrator for the book is absolutely amazing. So Simon versus the Hobo Sapiens Agenda is about Simon, who is a gay individual who hasn't come out yet to his family or to his peers or to his best friends yet. But he has been talking to this other person and this other person is gay as well. And they kind of are like clicking and having this, you know, like relationship going on. However, the other person is not ready to come out of the closet either. And so that kind of causes issues. And then an outsider finds out that Simon is gay and starts blackmailing him to do things for him, or he'll tell everyone that he is gay without, you know, really his permission. And so it definitely brings together a lot of issues. It, you know, delves into the LGBT community quite a bit. And I think it's it's just an amazing read. And there's also some POC characters in there, which I am absolutely loving. And I, it's just a very dynamic book. So if you're looking for a contemporary read, and note, I am not a huge contemporary reader, and you're looking for something that's more diverse and has LGBT characters, I definitely recommend Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. It's just, it's so funny. And it's just so down to earth and real. And it's It's absolutely amazing book. So I'm really excited about this episode. I really want to talk about something that can definitely get some people's grills up. It can make people very opinionated and very defensive. And that's bad reviews, like giving bad reviews, talking about bad reviews. Now, the other day I was scrolling through Instagram and this person had given a really bad review on a book. And, you know, I'm always for opinions and everything. But the harshity of some reviews can definitely get you going. It's it's insane 
how nasty people can be on reviews. But the one thing I guess I struggle with is some people think it's okay to take the author of that bad review. It's like you're trying to point to the author how awful their book is. And that's where it's like, it definitely splits a lot of people. I know that a lot of Instagrammers, a lot of bookstagrammers don't appreciate if you tag an author when you have given a really, really nasty review. I personally am in the boat of I would never, if I know I don't like a book and I really dislike it and I write a bad review, I personally will never tag the author. Um, Whether the writing was good or bad, you know, we have to give kudos to authors because of the fact that they're being brave enough to come forward with their work where many people wouldn't come forward with their writing. And so I guess I personally struggle with this whole idea of tagging authors at bad reviews. And already we have to understand that with Goodreads and everything, authors already see the bad reviews. There are a lot of authors I know that have come forward and said they've always been curious about their reviews on their books. And so they'll go to Goodreads and they'll they'll see all these bad reviews anyways. So I don't feel, first of all, that it is pertinent that writer readers tag an author. But I was just thinking about bad reviews and on the books that I love and everything and is there a right and wrong way to write a bad review? And obviously this subject is so subjugated and it's so biased and depending on who you talk to, I mean, it this topic can be talked about in 20 different ways because there's really no good way to write a bad review. I, I think there's there's that. I mean, there's a wrong way to write a bad review to the point where you're attacking the author. I think that that is when it becomes an issue, but there is really no good way to write a bad review. I started actually looking through some of my favorite books, like my all-time favorite books, and looking at the bad reviews, and I sat down and I'm like, okay, why not create an entire podcast about me reading the awful reviews that are given to my favorite books, and gosh, guys, I, there's some of these books that I'm about to read the reviews to you for are, it's insane. The things that people come up with now I'm once again, these like books and reading is so subjugated to the person that's reading them. And there's so many different diverse opinions and I'm always open up for everyone's opinions. It's just so funny to read some of these reviews just because of the fact that I guess it's just so different from what when I read the book and my personal point of view on the books that I'm about to tell you about. So I kind of created a list of books that I'm going to be reading you guys these bad reviews. So pretty much what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be reading one star reviews on the books that I absolutely love. And so I'm going to be ranging the books from Sarah J. Moss to Jay Kristoff's books to a few of my other favorites like Serpent and Dove, Daughter of the Pirate King, just a bunch of different books. They're all young adult literature just because of the fact that, once again, this podcast tends to focus more on young adult literature. So with that being said, let's read the one-star reviews on some of my favorite books. And I think it's we definitely need to start with my all-time favorite book, and that is A Court of Mist and Fury. Now, there are so many diverse opinions on A Court of Mist and Fury, especially actually A Court of 
thorns and roses. Um, you have everything from Farah choosing a certain character over another character. You have the issues resolving around Tamlin, how some people think that Tamlin's anger and everything is justified. And then you have sometimes people saying that Tamlin's anger is not justified and it's abusive. I mean, there's so many different diverse opinions on the book. So this person's review came out as this, and I'm going to read the review to you. Now, all these reviews are fairly short. So so this was a one-star review on A Court of Mist and Fury. And this said, this book is so bad. So bad, like I've never imagined that could be possible. Most of the stuff that happens in the first book, it's not important or has been relevance at all in this one. This P.S. The English in this is really bad. <laughs> um, the plot is convoluted. The characters are forced in a way that is totally wrong according to the first installment. All of this is because of the new quote-unquote plot. In this book, Farrah is even more insufferable and Mary Sueish. She has the trauma, but she has easily overcome it thanks to the male of her liking. She quickly moves on and swoons over another male. Moss destroyed Tamlin because of her big-ass ovaries. Also, Farrah has this power, but she uses them to so damn well, even though she barely trains at all. And the second characters are too flat and forgettable. And Ryzend, God help me. Oh, like once again, this is where she talks about this. This reviewer talks about Tamlin and how she, how his Moss has created Tamlin in such to it in such an evil character. I, he becomes kind of mean in a way. And it's just really funny because to me, I struggled with Tamlin in the very beginning. Yeah, we're going to move on to the next one because there's so many of them. Uh, So this one says, first I DNF this book and then I skim the last 40% of the ending. Truly, this is somewhere between a DNF and a one star because it is awful. And when I wasn't dying laughing over the terrible writing, I was in actual pain over the terrible writing. Nothing that I could think of as positive Hold much water because of the terrible writing. Sarah J. Moss forces tone and plot. She forces her choice of love interest down our throats. She spoons feeds us her audiences about everything and spells out every interaction, every conversation, and every damn look that passes between characters. Now, I definitely, there are some things I agree on in this review, and that is specifically that there is a lot of, Sarah J. Moss is a very over- writer like as in she writes very descriptively and so she writes a lot of her characters dynamics with each other out very descriptively however I think that's what's interesting about the book because of the fact that most young adult literature books shy away from interactions and tend to either not focus on plot or not focus on character dynamics whereas in for me I feel like Sarah J Moss does a really amazing job at putting all of it together. There, here's another review. This is going to be the last review. So this is BS. I'm livid. I feel betrayed. Thanks, SJ Moss, for turning to my number one author to getting kicked out. Now, I did not mind reading a book that is more matured than Moss's books. I'm used to it, but this plot was ridiculous. It was like Moss couldn't decide on where to lead her books. Is it a Beauty and a Beast retelling? Persephone and Hades? I don't no, let me just mix it all together to confuse the crap out of you and make it seem like two different books. So those were the ones that, so once again, this is my favorite book. I'm truly open to all of these point of views. It's just really interesting to read some of these one-star point of views. So moving on to my next favorite book, and that is Aurora Rising. Once again, so many different characters in this book. 
so many different opinions from different readers, and so here is one reader's opinion. What an utter disappointment. I had to DNF halfway through the book. I tried to push myself through it, but I just couldn't. I'm not sure how to how much creative authors managed to produce this. It honestly had a lot of potential. Seven characters that are equally as bland each other, constantly switching point of views, and I could barely understand who was who. I stopped trying through because this story was such a mess. What the hell were the settings and the relationships? Non-existent, they may as well have been in a box with the descriptions in this book. God, the love was so forced and stereotypical. Oh, gotta love bad reviews. I'm going to just move on to the next one because I have no thoughts on that one. Um, Here's the next review on Aurora Rising. I knew this wasn't going to be good. I could just feel it in my bones, but now I know 100% that this is trash and I'm sad I wasted monies on it. Ugh, people. Monies. I like that one. Monies. I wasted my monies on it. Here is another Aurora Rising review that I just found really interesting. So DNF, 75%, which gives me the right to rate it. I really tried to finish it, but I'm not wasting any more time. One and a half out of five stars. This book thinks it's so much funnier and smarter than it actually is. None of the characters are interesting, therefore the plot doesn't interest me. I think I'm really fed up with the lack of queer rep Jay and Amy give us. Two centuries in the future and their universe is still heteronormative and completely reject that gender isn't binary and it's starting to piss me off. Make Ty and Kel a couple, you cowards. It wasn't completely bad, just so annoyingly mediocre. Now, once again, I loved Aurora Rising. I really did. But I definitely, I think I have to agree with this uh, whole idea of the fact that Amy and Jay definitely write more heterosexual relationships. And I definitely think in Aurora Rising, it would have been so much better if there was more diverse characters and more diverse relationships. Now, I I love the one relationship that I'm not going to say because I really don't want to give any spoilers, but I just feel like it definitely would benefit from a more, if there was a little bit more LGBT because of the fact that some of these characters are so diverse. And I think there's a hint of it in one of the books But, I mean, one of the characters, I think, is bisexual, but it's not really brought up quite a bit. And so, I don't know. But I I, I can't not agree with that a little bit, even though I love the book. So here's one more Aurora Rising one-star review. So this one, it says, in this book, you will get constant allusions to everyone's apparent hotness. Seriously, we get it. You're all super hot. Knockoff Vulcans. I don't know what a Vulcan is. It must be from a different book. The phrase Bebro. Witty banter that is never witty. The number four. Why is it always four? I really don't, and I'm being utmost sincere here, understand how this book is getting so many positive reviews. I'm actually crying in frustration right now. I will have to also agree with the whole, the phrase Bebro. That is such a white male statement that I even struggled with that in the book. I'm just like, why? Why are we why why are we using that statement B bro? I mean, is it necessary? Ugh. I, I can't do it. Okay. So moving on to my next favorite book, and that is Serpent and Dove. Serpent and Dove is one of my favorite books. It is by Shelby Mahorin, but here are the people that would not recommend it. 
and this is what they say about the book. So this one says, this is one of the most ridiculous books I've read this year, and it's only January. It has been an absurd setup for the plot, clumsy characterization, and the humor lands very poorly. I cringed every time the main character would loudly sing Big Titty Liddy. I did like the one sex scene, though. Huh. Big... That was a weird one. That that one, like, just made me feel awkward. When when the character does sing out, like, or scream Big Titty Liddy, and it is definitely uncomfortable. And then I'm going to read one more for this one, and it's... Every once in a while, all that goes through your mind is after you finish a book and stare blankly at the last page is... How did this get published? Harsh. So the next book that I'm going to be reading a review on is Daughter of the Pirate King. I read this book this year by the, this one is by Trisha Levenseller. And honestly, it was once again, one of my favorite books. I don't want to say I'm going to, I can't, you can't compare it to Pirates of the Caribbean because it's so different. It does have the pirate element. It follows a main character that has secrets hidden and she's the daughter of the pirate king and how she pretends or she says she pretends to get captured on purpose and infiltrates a ship of males. And some people say it's a teenager ship. I don't, I think it's run by teenagers. I don't think it's a ship full of white male teenagers though. However, there are bad reviews on it. So let me read you some of them. This one says, utterly ridiculous. Once again, we have a special snowflake teenage girl, who's of course gorgeous and good at everything, who ends up on a ship run by handsome teenage boys. Our pirate king's daughter is on an important mission, but she most likely just talks about how great she is and what clothes she's wearing. I really thought my eyes might roll out of my head at several points. Why are so many young adult books terrible? Just because it's a book written for teenagers, it doesn't mean it needs to be insipid, trite, and ridiculous. DNF. Oh, so sad. That, 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 that's a struggle. She definitely, though, the main character definitely loves her clothes and she does like talking about herself, but I think that's just her personality type. Next book. No, not next book. Uh, so this is the next review on Daughter of the Pirate King that I also found lovingly nice. Um, so here's what it says. I should not have ordered the second book before reading this, and I'm regretting my decision now. I really dislike this book. I hate the writing. I don't care about the characters. The book is just so plain. Everything, and I mean everything, feels so monotonic. All the little plot twists are not even shocking whatsoever. I'm just like, oh, okay. It's so bad. I don't even feel anything at all for all of the characters, save and when. Gotta love people. Okay, so the last book I want to talk about that is truly one of my favorite series of all times, and that is Stalking Jack the Ripper. And here's what people have to say about the book. Ah, here it is, the first one star of the year. Womp womp. If you want a fluffy, historical, inaccurate romp through 1888 London, that is the kids' bop version of the Ripper's notorious crimes, read this book, I guess. In it, you will find anachronistic fake feminism doled out by Audrey, I'm not like other girls, Rose, the only capable female character in the, this book that is supposedly full of girl power. Two, an annoying love interest who is a clear Sherlock Holmes ripoff. Three, an apparent lack of knowledge surrounding the 19th century and the serial killer that the book is named after. Four, a killer whose identity is ridiculously obvious the first time they walk on page 
And while I love the self-esteem boost that solving a twist provides, if you ever read literally any thriller in your life, you will guess who Jack the Ripper is and it will be disappointing. I will admit, in throughout the Stalking the Jack the Ripper series, like through every book, besides the second book, I was able to guess the murder right away. Now, that was a little disappointing to me. However, I think the dynamic of the book was just so good that I, I just kept reading it. For some people, though, obviously that's a big issue if it's supposed to be a murder mystery. So, moving on. So this is the last one that I'm going to be reading for Stalking Jack the Ripper. Uh, so this one says, not feeling, No feeling of the Victorian era London and not enough forensics. Mentions cor- corsets, century-old tools, and cold, dark study rooms is not in- enough. If you make an author's note to explain how you tweak the historical truth, don't bother bother writing the book. It's a standoff in itself. The readers knows how to differentiate between fact and fiction. No character development. The heroine's internal monologue sounds like any other contemporary self-indulgent teenage girl. There are so many other historical YA books with real strong female characters. This is not it. Ooh, yikes. I honestly thought that she did quite well at bringing in more of the Victorian era London. London Victorian era. I really thought that she did. I mean, yeah, there could have been a little bit more mention. So yeah, so those are my favorite books. And those are me reading the awful reviews on said favorite books. I mean, once again, I think everyone has such a right to their opinion and everything. And I will never discredit anyone's opinion because I love learning about somebody else's opinion. Me and my friend who have very different opinions on books tend to not agree about the books that we each like. And so because of that, it always makes for really interesting conversations and debates. And I just think it's a lot of fun to see other people's opinions. So please, before you get really upset, don't be offended by if I don't agree with, or if I sound like I don't agree with the opinions that were given. I definitely definitely see why they're given because I've read the books, but don't feel offended that this is just subjugated to my own point of view. We have to all remember that. So yeah. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it because it's always amazing to talk about bookish content with you. Also, make sure to go to the Instagram page, shut the book up. It's at shut period the book up and make sure you follow there because that's where I give all of my latest details on the podcast. Also make sure to like and review the podcast. It definitely helps the podcast and supports it and it helps me get excited and record a new episode. I will see you guys in my next episode. Bye.